Hello and welcome to Let the Good Dice Roll. This is episode 19 of our podcast where the two fairly experienced uh, storytellers sit down and talk about stuff. I think you're a little more experienced than I am. I, I've mostly done like LARP stuff and help with tabletop, so... You'll, now you've done tabletop. Well, I've done one Not session. to totally date this episode, but like last week or the beginning of this week, you did run D&D. Yes, I finally ran as a DM for a session of D&D 5e. I was nervous as hell, by the way, but I, once I got into it, it was fine. So, yep. So, hi guys, welcome to uh, this episode. Um, um, I'm Brendan. This is Christina. If for some reason you're listening to our retrospective podcast on a two and a half year long campaign that we can't post up for legal reasons, and for some reason don't know our voices yet or decided to come in on episode 19. I, I guess you picked a good episode to come in on because technically this has almost nothing to do with the... The, uh, the, the current campaign yeah, we're talking with about. with the current campaign until, like, later. So, to, so the next couple of our episodes are going to be a little weird. They're actually going to be about a campaign that Brendan and I were in that was an Abyssal campaign that our friend Joe ran. And the reason it's important that we kind of tell you bits and pieces of what happened with this is because stuff that happens in this campaign, this Abyssal campaign, runs canon to our timeline that we're, our Exalted campaign is in. Right. It's important that you uh, you kind of know... It's not necessarily important that you know the, the, the backstories, but the fact that it was played out, at least for the most part, is... Uh, is really helpful in making it so that we can actually have, have a little a bit more... Have a full-rounded world and... Have a full-rounded world for, um, like, spoil like spoilers that should not be spoilers, but since you guys are playing in a Solars game and we're talking about an Abyssals game, we're literally talking about some of the antagonists here. Yeah. Um, but, so, this actually starts off on page three of my notes and goes all the way down to 15. So this isn't going to be us... Getting everything for the for the Abyssal campaign out in one episode. This is probably going to be like minimum, bare minimum, two episodes. Probably about three, because we also want to talk about. Because like I don't know how the campaign was supposed to wrap up. I have ideas. Uh, Brendan has actually talked to Joe and knows how the campaign was supposed to wrap up. So he's going to talk about how it was supposed to go and then how because as we've said, there's a 15, 15 year time skip. I believe it is between, you know, the group like being sent off to all different places and then them kind of like realizing where they're at and stuff happening and coming back to yep. creation. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a pretty big time skip considering that at this point you guys had only been active for 2 years About in game that, time. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh it's a pretty big like it's uh it 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 shows that some stuff fucks up in that time. Yeah, and this abyssal game kind of tells you what happens in the south with the first and forsaken line and how he was able to like amass his power and a little bit about his story, and it sets a precedence for that time skip of this is what fuckery is happening in the south. This is what's going on down there. This is what you're gonna have to go and deal with. So you guys will also get to know a little bit more about the. Uh, NPCs that will be in the Exalted campaign through a little bit of, you know, listening to us talk about the Abyssal PCs, which are the NPCs, basically. Uh, did you want to say anything else before we started? There's probably going to come a point where that I have to kind of add in some stuff that becomes relevant um, as the time skip happens. I'm probably going to do that in episode three, kind of when I'm... Or, Either two or three of this, however far I think it's really it. going to be three, honestly. It might, but I'm kind of hesitant because I remember those campaign, those games, and they weren't very long. Like, we'll see. Like I said, it's it's literally twelve pages, so we'll find out. Um, so the name of this campaign was "Raising the Legion Sanguinary," um, and it was started on Sunday because we were alternating Sundays with our Exalted campaign. Uh, I think, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. And so this started January 28th of 2018. So about two years uh, from current time is when we actually started this campaign. Right. And this was about, um, geez, um, I'm trying to think of where that would be in the Exalted canon. I think that that's getting close to like the Thorn stuff is going down in our game. Like in that time. I... Not in the timeline of the game, but like us as players. Oh, okay. Yeah, possibly. I'd have to sit and literally look at the notes to figure it out, but it might be about that time frame. 
so the weird part about this one is Brendan didn't play in the whole campaign. He came in like maybe midway through. So a lot of the stuff I'm going to say, he's going to be like, oh, okay. Because he, he didn't really know entirely everything that happened. So it's going to be a lot of me talking probably. I'll, I'll, I'll add in snarky comments as I do. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go ahead and start you off with, uh, like I said, January 28th, 2018. I'm going to start you off with knowing uh, who the characters are. We had our friend Lewis, who was playing the dust cast. He wore this awesome, like, heavy armor. Uh, and his character's name was Ashen Cavalier of the Moonlit Pyre, or he went by Cavalier. Oh, other thing that we should probably preface this with is that... Um, oh, it's in the Godbound it's, system. Yeah, they're using Godbound at this yeah. point. They're yeah. not using my Godbound stuff, which is probably for the better. It, I think it actually made that game... Game little, harder, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not using the, the modifications Brendan made to Godbound, which made our builds disgusting once I got a hold mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're using the actual Godbound rules <laughs> for stuff. Um, then you had Devin, who was playing our Midnight cast. He was basically a crow man in, like, tattered gray robes, uh, and his name was, uh, the Modeled Shepherd of the Carrion and Rot. Or um, Modeled Shepherd of Carrion and Rot. The thing that he showed me, uh, that kind of reminds me of it is there's a WoW model set for, uh, that kind of, like, reminds me of it, uh, it's like the Plaguebringer model for Warlocks. Yeah, he's basically, it, he's basically think like a big Kenku that's like kind of gross with just mottled gray like sorcerer's robes. Mm -hmm. um, you have our friend Jess, who is playing the Moon Shadow. She was Merciful Release of Death, or Mercy. Uh, and then you had Jamie's character who just went by Vision. I think at some point we find out what her name is, or she just went by Vision. I don't quite remember. I don't uh, think we ever was... remembered what the, the full name was. I think that I... I think that I have it in my notes for her character, but I can't it's possibly. honestly remember. It's possible, but she was the day cast. And then you had my character, who was the daybreak. She was a forsaken architect of the Neverborn's design, or architect, or arc. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and get started now that you know who was playing at that time. Because we actually, eventually when Brendan comes in, we have another friend of ours named Andrew who comes in at the same time. But he is not playing an Abyssal, so that, that's where it gets weird. Um, so you have uh, Meticulous Owl. He's a daycast. He meets up with our group and ushers us into the underworld. Uh, we see all the things, lots of different things, as you can expect in the underworld, on the way to the throne room. Uh, and then there's this massive figure about nine feet tall standing there in soul plate armor, uh, very fearsome to behold with this massive soul steel uh, diclave. And... Um, think like Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I was going to go more with, um, shit, what's his name? Uh, from WoW, uh, the Lich King. I always think more of that for some reason. I mean, both of them have very super similar designs, but, um, uh, he, uh, fucking First and Forsaken Lion is modeled after Sauron. Like, hard is well, I mean, that wouldn't surprise Sauron. me. I just, for some reason, my brain always goes to the Lich King, mm -hmm. so... So, to catch people up on uh, who the first and Forsaken Lion is, because we've talked a lot about the Mask of Winters before, because the Mask of Winters played a huge, big role in my game, but the first and Forsaken Lion does not. He's hinted at being there, and I think we might have talked about him a little bit when it, uh, I talked about... Um, what, what the fuck's her name? Uh, Princess Magnificent with lips of coral and robes of black feathers? Yeah. Um... And how they, they both kind of fucked up. Or Princess the, Magnificent for short. Yeah. But how they both kind of fucked up the, uh, the, the original end of the world with, uh, with, with the, uh, the Great Contagion. And then the first one Forsaken Lion just kind of going, Nah, fuck that! I wanted to be the one to end the world! And, uh, released all the fair folk into the world. And because chaos came in, everybody started getting immunity to the Great Contagion. So like it's literally his fault that uh that that this shit like that that the world did not end. Yeah, that's that's fair. And because of that, he got uh basically bolted into like screwed into his armor. Like he literally cannot leave his fucking armor and he is never allowed to go to Stygia, the capital city of uh <laughs> Which of the is underworld. Relevant to Joe's campaign. That idea that he's not allowed to go to Stygia is relevant to this campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh so 
the first and forsaken lion or as for the sake of me trying to write notes i put lion or ffl which later became faffle it became the running joke even in brennan's campaign that the first and forsaken lion was called faffle um so faffle wants us to go and get two new toys from the crafters landing and bring them to him so we go over there and uh ark is a crafter and that character her her words were um excuse me were artifice knowledge and death so uh, the way I like to describe her to people is she's got a very Claudia mentality of she's only like 10 to 12 years old and she's a fucking abyssal who's always going to stay 10 or 12 years old. And she's got a word omniscient scholar that basically gives her the knowledge of any mortal sage. So she is freakishly brilliant and she can just build whatever she wants. So terrifying in small package with the mentality of a child, but also brilliant. So it's very, very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go and find uh, Foreman Randy, and he instructs Ark on how to draw a summoning circle. And uh, she basically hammer hands a sacrifice for it so that we can summon Gore, which is this skinned inside out, like black stone inside of bone looking cat. And ooze, which is this gray blob of ooze with like a skeleton head and random bones floating around inside of it. Um, Shepard ends up raising the sacrifice that Ark put down uh, so that he can plague it because Shepard is basically our sorcerer necromancer. So we go back to Fathful and we bring them the little pets and we learn that they can only, you know, understand uh, Old Realm, which means that only like two of us can talk to him, one being. Ark and the other being Shepard. Right, because you have knowledge, so you know all... Yeah, I, I argued with Joe. I was like, I have the knowledge word. I have omniscient scholar. Language is written down. Sages know languages. I should know, there, like, every written language. There were a lot of times uh, <laughs> in my... I played for three sessions of this, and I think that every time there were, mul- there were at least two times a session where they, we had to argue something with Joe. Yeah. Um, so he tells us about these three death knights of the Mask of Winters. Uh, which is weird because, so, I mean, it's weird because, like, it runs canon with Brendan's timeline, but the death knights of the Mask of Winters are none of the ones that our uh, solar group meet. We can pretend that they are. They, they aren't, though. We can pretend. Uh, so it's a moon shadow, a daybreak, and a midnight. And they have pieces of the gate of the Undervolt. So we go to get them back and feel, basically field test Ooze and Gore to see their combat prowess. Because we don't know what the fuck to do with them. But the Midnight cast is called Reaper of Life, uh, Moonshadow is Chaser of Blights, and the Daybreak is Wielder of Flesh. Um, through some information, we know that they're still in the Underworld. We're just not sure on the direction, but it's likely north. Uh, so we go to the City of Dead Flowers. And we decided the Fallen Lotus is a good place to start. I don't know if you want to talk anything about the City of Dead Flowers or if you how much. I actually know. don't know anything about the City okay. of Dead Flowers. Um, I uh, the underworld and like its entire topography and everything is not my forte. Gotcha. Okay, I'll just then I'll just stick to what I have written down because I can go a little bit into it, but I I, I might misremember stuff, so I don't mm-hmm. want to misrepresent it. Uh, so we go to the Fallen Lotus. The Fallen Lotus is this beautiful city, considering that it's in the underworld. Uh, most of the ghosts are trying not to draw attention to themselves, as, you know, this group of abyssals walks through the town, which is good on them, probably. Oh, thing to, uh, kind of chime in here on. Uh, so abyssals, being death knights, have, um, are basically in control of any ghosts and everything that are in the, and undead that are in the, that are in the underworld, like lesser undead at least. So like, if you guys go up to a ghost and tell it to do something, it basically has to follow your command. Yeah, and even more so because in with us having Godbound, all of us were given the death word for Abyssal, so we can control undead and stuff like that. Okay. I think that's one of the passive. I think that's the passive ability of death. I, I can't think. Remember I think exactly. that, that is. I think you can control up to like ten or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see. We decide to go and talk to one of the ghosts to get directions, basically, because we're kind of Taurus at this point, as weird as that sounds. We go up to this big scythe 
wielding, she's a very pretty lady with uh, skeletons uh, carrying a rock thing and just talk to her and they point us in a direction. And we go to this small, air quotes, town and find an observation tower that the ghosts seem to be walking near. So we end up having to fight a mob of ghosts and zombies and we just wreck through the mob. Surprise, surprise. As you do when you're exalted, you just kind of destroy things. Yeah. Also, you know, they're kind of our flavor of things that we can fuck up. Yep. Uh, and we see Chaser of Blights basically freak out. Um, we get up to her and beat her and her hungry ghosts. And with Cavalier Spear still in her, we easily get her to tell us where the other two are at. So, as, as you've all learned, I don't take a lot of combat notes because there's not a lot of point for me doing it unless it's something freakishly epic. Right. <laughs> she tells us where they're at. We found out the Wielder of Flesh went to uh, Lintha... N- I'm going to butcher this name. Lintha Negaru? Aro? Aru? Something like that. And then Reaper of Life went to Whale Bay. So we kind of skip forward uh, because we were trying to speed up that session and basically we destroy the other two of them and they're just very cinematic defeats of them and we take them down in our awesome abyssal powers and uh it, we have to do a recon of the places that we were actually sent because it's supposed to be gem whale bay and the and daria of the mist because i don't know why we got those wrong i don't know don't ask me i wasn't i wasn't the dm so we return to fathel uh, we go to the crafting area again. We we do another summoning circle. We sacrifice five people. We summon we summon four of these tenderly shadow monsters. They're abyssal crawlers uh, that end up you know just like scattering like cockroaches after we summon them. And Faffle tells us to take Foreman Randy and the crew to go assemble the gate on Nightfall Island, due east of Ontang. Okay. Did you want to say anything about Ontang or? Um. Nothing that I can remember that uh, is not going to get butchered by it, because I think that I remember Ontang completely differently than it is. Okay. It's, I want to say it's an island nation, um, and I want to say that they worship one of the war gods in the south. I'm probably wrong about this, but I, uh, I'll, I'll look it up for next time. Okay. Well, we get there, uh, and the people that are already there seem to be putting stuff together. The area looks very similar to the, the crafter's place that we have back in our area. Uh, we pass through the veil into creation, and Ark is basically just sitting there, do-do-do-do-do, helping with construction like she do while everybody else is keeping watch. Um, since she's busy working on the gate and helping the crafters and basically leading this, She's not really paying attention, and the other four people with us uh, hear the this horn and notice a fast-approaching army coming up. It's basically this band of freedom fighters, and they're basically solar sympathizers uh, that are actually being led by a solar circle. Uh, so I actually have the list, and I'm going to butcher all these names because that's just my life. Um... So you have the Doncast, which is uh, Argeon, Ar- Argeon, uh, Hyamine, who's leading it. The Zenith cast, which is just, I have down as just Braum. Uh, the Night cast, which is uh, Elix Stormblade. And the Eclipse, which is Jack's True Sight. Uh, and Twilight, which is uh, Zarin Sunforge. Okay, I may have only butchered like one of those, but. Okay. <laughs> But <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. So uh, my next note is the best. It's everybody was golem fighting. And those zombies were fast as slugs. What does that even mean? I think we were fighting golems and the zombies were really slow. And it's okay. that playoff of everybody was kung fu fighting. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so it's a, this big solar army, solar army versus a smaller abyssal army. And uh, Zarin uses command to try to turn our bone titan against us. There's just, there's just a lot of fighting going on with it. Um, so Ark finally finishes the gate, and the legion, like Fathel's legion, comes through the gate. And it was really funny because I'm sitting there like, guys, just keep an eye on me, keep them off of me. I'm putting this thing together. And their their nightcast, I believe, came around and kept trying to fucking murder me so I wouldn't finish this gate. And I'm just like, stop it. 
Um, but yeah, finally fin- able to finish the gate. Legion comes through. The Solars, wimping out, decide to summon a chariot and dip set. Uh, but out of the uh, 1,250 guys there, we were able to kill 625 of them. And the other half of them just also dip out with the Solars. Yep. And that was the first session that we had. Wow. That was a lot of you guys not... Uh, that was a lot of you guys not sitting around and making plans for anything as and, like, actually doing stuff, which is... Uh, is definitely one of those things that I do enjoy about Joe's GM style. He is right to the point. Uh, you got He does not let people just kind of sit around and putz about. I mean, we kind of do that at some points. But I think, because we, we were on a big time crunch and Jamie always, Jamie and or at least one of us always showed up late because of our jobs. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, we just want to keep pushing forward and whatnot with it. Right, that, ma- that makes sense. It's kind of like how that uh, sometimes I would have... Uh, oh, one of the one of the things that I'm remembering now that I'm kind of thinking about is... While well, I'm thinking about it, is that a lot of the reason that there's a lot of kind of uh, fluff and just kind of sitting around and talking in my game, and it becomes less so later on, but while that Devin was there because his job would sometimes just not let him get out on time. Yeah. So I would basically have to have like, okay, if Devin's not here on time, I've got to, before the big stuff happens, I've got to kind of like, I got to, I have to stall for time to try and get uh, something he's not missing all the big shit. Uh, So like, that's why that a lot of times, like for me, combat would happen near the end, which is generally not a great idea because combat takes for fucking ever. It can, yeah. Uh, So next session, Sunday, February 11th, 2018. Literally just a couple days off from being two years ago. Uh, For this session, Jamie wasn't able to join us, so it's just Jess, Devin, Lewis, and me starting off. Uh, We basically rest up, and then we're told that we have about 12 hours to successfully siege and take over Ontang before the sun comes up. Okay. Um, Oh yeah, because abyssals are weaker when the sun's out. (laughs) So we have some- A A random fact that I like to forget all the time. So we have the we take a sect of the army and come through the gate. Uh, basically, we take only about as much as what Fafel thinks that we'll need to take with us and leaves the rest there to go do whatever he needs us to. Um, and he's basically recommending that we make it like we go from Nightfall Island to Ontang um, and that we might run into the Pale Mistress along the way. So we try to recruit her. As she lives in Ontang, uh, and, you know, makes them suffer, apparently. You know, she could be an ally. Like, she wants to make Ontang suffer. We're trying to kind of make Ontang suffer. Um, yeah. So okay. there's this town called Salt-Founded Glory that's on the outskirts of Ontang. I don't know why that's relevant. I guess that's where we're going to, maybe? That might be, like, your um, staging ground. And then we uh, have the City of Dead Flowers as a fallback point. So there's the North and the South Gates. It's the Prosperous Gardens and the City of the Steel Lotus. So we were just... I I just wrote down stuff. I wrote down all these different points, and we were... As long as I have note of them, like... <laughs> but uh, Shepard and Cavalier discuss plans, and they pull Mercy aside to plan some more, at, while Ark is sitting and basically just drawing up a full-fledged map of Ontang for us. Right. Because because so. you can do that because knowledge works. Yeah, right? I was like, I just do things. <laughs> um, Fafel ends up giving some input, and then there's just this, there's a discussion about releasing a plague later, and Fafel says that they will expect it, but, you know, release it later once, you know, we're in the dead center, so the healers can't work on it. We wait for Fafel signal to release the plague for, you know, mass, maximum success of, you know, plaguery. And then uh, he wants Shepard to, to put his spies in the city to keep an eye on the Golden Lord. Um, and basically, while they're strategizing, Ark has the map drawn up. She's drawn on the lines and everything of where they need to go. So just a full-fledged plan. Uh, and then Fafel comes through the portal on his personal bone strider named Eben... Uh, Zoanon. Zoanon, thank you. I yes, the Eben Zoanon. 
And then let's get this party started. Yeah, uh, Bone Striders, by the way, are uh, undead versions of War Striders. Mm -hmm. So it's basically just a giant rideable mech that's made of corpse parts. Yeah. And then I have this beautiful picture of the Principalities of Ontang that I can't show anybody. Uh, but that's the map I used in my notes to figure out where the fuck everything was. So we get close to the Port of Dragon's Jaw and start ex exchanging arrows and whatnot with, you know, the people there. Uh, and when I say exchanging arrows, I mean we're firing on them and they're firing back. So our circle lands in an area away from the fight to try to find the Pale Mistress on the beach. Uh, cause we just happen to know we'll see her there for some reason. We know she lives near a cave system that's underground, and she has, uh, clay that work for her. I have no idea what that word means, to be perfectly honest with you. How do you spell you. it? K-A-L-E-Y-I. I don't yeah. know. No, I don't, I don't no know idea either. No idea either. If you guys feel like looking it up, feel like looking it up, I'm just not taking the time because I want to keep moving forward. We just also happen to know that we shouldn't let her, you know put poisons or disease on us, because that's apparently a thing she could do, but we're also not sure if it's going to affect exults or not. But, you know, she's a god, so it's really just kind of a toss-up of what's really, going to... It's really likely that it'll affect you. Yeah. It's really likely. It's, it's a kind of a toss-up, but, you know, we'll just bear that in mind and just keep moving forward. So we go with Searchin and her quote-unquote army and her come out of the sands, and the pale mistress basically looks like a cross between a Left 4 Dead boomer and a Left 4 Dead like, like, Left 4 Dead Boomer with the witch claws. Mm -hmm. So that's not great. Uh, she's got, like, all these pustules all over her and she's naked. And I was just like, really? Alright, whatever. So Shepard, being Shepard, tries flattery on the Pale Mistress. Uh, and then at this point, Jamie shows up. And Mercy does lines of ruin, uh, rule to make the Mistress's group stand down so that we can speak to her. Because Mercy had uh, the command word. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, obviously she's not too happy about this, so she just breathes out this miasma of green fog towards us. Um, at first we all seem fine. Cool. You know, ellipsis on that. Um, Shepard uses his Ender of Plagues to take away her army, uh, but it doesn't affect her army, but does cure the, our group, uh, even though we weren't, sure if we were plagued or not there's probably a good chance some of us were plagued there's probably a more than zero chance yeah there's there's probably a strong chance that we were plagued um at least some of us uh cavalier because he's our big tanky fighter closes the distance and just whacks her for like 16 damage we should probably mention uh that cavalier specifically his his martial art that he used was a custom thing that joe made I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. It might be in here later in the notes, but I can't remember off the top but of my head. But basically his entire martial art revolved around him um, having him and his horse, his undead horse, like doing a bunch of bullshit. And like it was all like movement based and just like it was a tank martial art. It was not a... It worked really well. <laughs> it was a tanky martial art that was a support tanky martial art. Yep. Because he also had healing stuff, and he got things for, like, bolstering allies and things like that. Yep. I'm actually going to go grab my phone so I can actually look up what it is, because I have it written down on his character sheet for our game. Okay, that's fine. Then I will, uh, I will sit and just keep talking. So he closes the distance, smacks her for 16 damage, which in, you know, Godbound is a, a nice chunk. In Godbound, 16 damage is fucking ridiculous. It's, it's a very nice chunk. Uh, and basically this snaps her from her homicidal intent to murder everything. And so at this point where she's a little, little more subdued, we repeat our intent. And she calls out to more of her people and they come out and she says that she'll actually aid us. Great. Awesome. Oh yeah, this is when we find out that we have to command, uh, Ooze and Gore and Old Realm where they won't do shit. And that's when we found out only Shepard and I knew Old Realm and... Uh, whether Shepard liked it or not, Ark turned Ooze and Gorn to her pets because <laughs> she's a small child and give her pets so she won't do shenanigans. It was probably the best solution ever. I think that is the best solution ever. So we route our group towards the Salt Founded Glory. Um, there's an exult that is shooting bolts of ice down from the tower. So we're pretty sure at this point that's a uh, water terrestrial. 
And there's just this mob of archers up on uh, the, is it parapets? Is that what it's called? Yes. Um, so we, we fight them. We eventually are able to defeat her archers. And uh, she just summons more of them somehow. And this bitch creates an ice wall. Because fucking ice walls. And so we have to defeat the next group and just fuck that ice. Fuck all of that ice. Nope, don't have don't have the actual name of it. Um, I have literally all of the the charms, but not the all name the charms, of it. but not the oh shadow saint form. That's what it's called. But yeah, so we end up defeating them, and then Shepard uh, uses the bodies to summon a war dragger. Do you want to tell them what a war dragger is, or it's basically just an undead uh, war amalgamation? Uh, yeah, of flesh and. Uh, Mercy makes the archers to the left attack some on-tank fighters, and we end up taking over the salt-founded glory. Uh, there's We also find out the name of like this, per- this water terrestrial's circle so that we can go and track them down. Uh, the, her name, since we murdered her, was uh, Reva Eventide. She's a dynastic monk of the water aspect. And so for her circle, the air one is a Shady Shady uh, Storm Blossom, which is a guy. Uh, the wood one was a Kalios Zan, Zan, who's also a gentleman. Uh, the earth one is Second Sword uh, Sarugi, who's also a guy. And then the fire one was a Wildfire uh, Tenketsu, who's also a guy. She was the only girl. We murdered the girl first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Shepard... I think because of, uh, like, he brought her back to life and basically decided to fuck with her circle and put her as part of his Wardrogger amalgamation so they would see her on there and get mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think through his weird necromantic means was able to, like, pull them out of her head and figure out who they were. Um, so he figured out what they looked like and basically told us what they looked like and their names and everything like that. Um, and he decided to rename her Riva Tide of Oblivion. Okay. He's a necromancer. He had Wardroggers, like, every time... We went through so many Wardroggers, it wasn't even funny. Yeah, I, I recall them just constantly being summoned and then taken off the board, because they're not as powerful as anything else in... Well, I mean, they're powerful, but they're, like, mortal levels of power. Yeah. Uh, so Shepard has Arc Scribe... Uh, the circle's name and her name but cross it out and then just all this blasphemous stuff in Old Realm, Riverspeak, and Low Realm uh, just on her because we're awful people. Okay. It's an abyssal game. We were, it was an, e- we were not, we're not good people. We're not. You guys were playing an evil campaign. Yeah. You're not gonna be good people. Uh, so next we go to the City of Dead Flowers which is a Shadowland. And there's all this lightning and tornadoes in the city, so we're pretty sure that the air aspect is here, uh, attacking things in the city. Really? How could you tell? I know, right? So we uh, end up confronting him, and he's not too happy. Oh well. Uh, and Ark being a child and just just not knowing how to deal with the situation ends up running her mouth. And so he decides to focus fire her. Okay. <laughs> Um, but once he realizes that Shepard is the necromancer and the one who created the Wardrogger and all this stuff, he is like, nah, child's not worth it going after the necromancer. Yep. Uh, so it was a ridiculous fight that we all learned that we should never stand in a line. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially with something with lightning powers. <laughs> yeah, you think? Well, okay, to be fair, if I remember correctly, Joe put our little pieces on the board, and we didn't move them because he's the one who put us on the board. And then the first thing he did was lightning through, like, all of us. Always, always move your pieces. Like, that's that's my big thing is, like, uh, my most of my DMs have always asked me, well, where do you want to be on the board? And I've always been, like, I'm going to, like, where do you want to be? Like, you decide. If you... You place your piece down, and I'm like, you good with it? You good with it? Cool. And then you're in a great spot to get fireball? That's your own damn fault. Right? But if the DM puts your pieces down and doesn't really let you move them, 
then yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, we have a ridiculous fight with him, and we kill him, and out of spite, we make him the butt of the war machine, aka the war dragger. Like the actual butt? Yes, he's the butt. Okay. He's like the, the tail butt. And so we take over the city of Dead Flowers, and, uh, we, uh, I believe we take down... The ter- all the terrestrials, and, uh, cause it says bring circle of terrestrials, and if we kill solars, bring them here also. But basically, we conquer the north and south gates, uh, we come back to the city to plan our next, uh, invasion with Thapple. So, and that's the end of that session. Okay. So, I think we get at least through one more. Yeah. Min- let, minimum. Yeah, let's get through at least one more. So I can actually, so in the next episode, I can actually comment on things. Because yeah. I think I came in on uh, session four, I think. You're not here for this next session or the next one. Or no. the next one. What the hell? Or the next one. What the hell? Uh, you're on. You're not in this until July. Yeah, I forgot that this goes. I, you know, I just realized that, you know, you said you started in January and it didn't. I did not start playing until July. I warned you that you weren't there for, like, half the game. That's more than half yeah, the game. I, I only got to play in three sessions. So, back to this. Uh, this the next session is Sunday, April the 8th, 2018. Uh, we've got Jess, Devin, Lewis, and me starting out. And so we have a little bit of wibbly-wobbly-tamewame bullshit and basically uh we end up killing all the terrestrials we didn't get to parade around town with our zombie horde uh and flaunt our power because joe is no fun (laughs) i literally have that written in there didn't get to parade around town with zombie horde and flaunt our power in parentheses joe no fun okay (laughs) you've heard you've heard it here folks it's official joe Joe no no fun fun. Uh, so Faffle had us incite riots instead. Yawn. Um, we have, uh, adorned with wisdom as a sapphire, aka sapphire. Uh, we fight the solar circle, 5v5. We barely win. The fight lasts a day or so. We make it to pinnacle of, I think that's supposed to say mercy, but it doesn't say mercy. We bust in, we fight the golden lord, things go south, and Faffle busts in and beats his ass. Uh, and then the Golden Lord ends up wimping out and escaping to heaven, so we weren't able to kill him. Uh, so fast forward, like, two weeks. Okay. <laughs> uh, the City of Dead Flowers is our base of operations for now. And, uh, we've got five Abyssal Crawlers, uh, that are little minions that we send on on missions, because Joe had this system where, like, we, it was, like, a goods, uh, system where we could send little people out on side missions or we can go out on like side missions to get uh goods and facts and things like that okay okay yeah that makes sense i was trying to implement something like that in my game and it just did not work out yeah well we're crazy people so i would like to do that at some point just because it's a really interesting concept to do but i also feel like that uh it would turn into everybody stays in the meeting room and uh commands their commands their armies after like a certain I don't want to do that. I don't want to play risk. <laughs> yeah. Like but I now, already But have... now we've got the big exalted map so we can play risk. I don't want to play risk though cuz I either demolish at that or I fail at that. There's no in imbe- there's it's literally 0 or 100. There is no 50% or anything in between for me <laughs> on that game. So we uh, find out there's this road in abyssal called Desolator and Fafa wants to bring him to our side, uh, but he only has one clue to go off of of where this person is, and that's Nexus! Because uh, that's where his next mark is. We don't know who the mark is, but we know it's a Nexus, so uh, we gotta go to Nexus. So we find out that he's a uh, adept daycast, and he's been trying to join Assassin's Guild, so he has to do trials to join, which is why he's going after Marks. So we go to, ta- go to talk to his contact named Grief, who's this mortal regarding Desolator. Uh, we find out that Grief is Meticulous's Owl's contact in Nexus. We also find out that, uh, Ooze is a rank 2 minion, and Gore is not special enough to even be rank 1 because Joe hates him. Alright, now you can go off about Nexus. Okay, so I fucking hate Nexus because it's a generic-ass D&D starter town 
where that everybody can come in and like here's where you get your adventures and there's some dungeons in here and it's like its own thing that you could theoretically have an entire campaign just centered around nexus but nexus also has some like not fun rules like they have basically like a protector super god being thing and i can't remember what the fuck it's called it's like the the overseer or something like that and it's basically like hey did you fuck up a nexus the overseer's the overseer is going to come and kill you there is no like getting do around not pass it. go do not collect 200 dollars. go straight to jail on top of that nexus is also basically like a hive of scum and villainy but not the fun kind of hive of scum and villainy Boo! it's the kind where that all the scum and villainy is bureaucrats being bureaucrats Boo. so it's just the guild and like merchant oh, stuff that's, that's why i was gonna have if storm ever died i was gonna have blossom be from nexus because it was all fucking bureaucracy bullshit yeah but like it's just it's such a like it's such a weird like not fun setting not fun city in my opinion like there's no like it barely feels like it's exalted it feels more like it's it's from D&D instead of being from Exalted. Which is fun, it, but it's not, you know... It's, if it feels like a D&D town in Exalted setting, that's not really fine. Yeah, no, it's not, because it, it doesn't feel right. So, anyway, so yeah, so that... that so, you, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Fuck you, you Nexus. Good? You good? Okay, cool. Uh, spoiler, something bad happens to Nexus later in, on our Exalted game, because fuck Nexus. Nor made a decision. Fuck Nexus. I'm glad that I put that into everybody's head that nexus sucks <laughs> for anybody who likes nexus out there uh feel free, why are you wrong feel free to message us or whatever about why you like nexus and yeah feel free to send in send in the explanation of why that nexus is good to a pair of dice lost at gmail.com and then i'll reply to you and tell you that you're wrong brendan be nice <laughs> so this next section is actually on a saturday what? That's not when you have games. This is when we had game. Uh, so Saturday, May the 5th, 2018. Uh, it started off with just Jess, Jamie, Lewis, and me. And, again, more redacted stuff that had to be, like, fixed. We're not going after Desolator. We're going after to get this ghost-blooded who got kidnapped. Um... So, we, uh... I'm really confused as to why there are plot drops, and then literally the plot drops. Well, it's literally like... Like, oh man, here's here's this cool we idea... We decided to go and do it later. For some reason, we decided to do this ghost-blooded thing first. I don't know. It's Joe. It's okay. our group. We're people. I don't know. Okay, I'm just really... I don't know. I'm just really confused as to why that plot drops are turning into plot drops. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I'm sorry, are turning into dropped plot. Um, so basically, funny enough, you mentioned Sauron earlier. My first part of this notes is literally eye in the sky, Sauron style, fair folk, beams of healing and bullshit, uh, swords, earthen-looking creatures, and armor with uh, obelisks. Okay. <laughs> I wrote, fuck the big baddie, it hurts, but hammer hand. So I'm assuming it's probably made of some kind of material if Ark was using hammer hand on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was this, is this obelisk. I kind of remember this obelisk in the sky with, like, the Sauron eye in it, and it was, like, I think laser beams and stuff like that. It was weird. Um, but, you know, after, uh, we damaged the obelisk enough, it enters its final form. <laughs> Great. Okay, what is its final form? Please inform um, me. So, I... All the gar all the baddies crumble and die, and this giant monolith guardian shows up, and then that's when Devin shows up at that about that time. So Cavalier goes for the Achilles and just fuck this thing. It's just this giant monolith obelisk bullshit guardian that we have to deal with, and um, basically Ark brings down that the monolith because she just hammer hands it enough. And so the obelisk falls, and we are able to save a uh, shadow sister, uh, Kailano, and return to Fathful. That's all that happened, that, that, that session. Okay. Was we fought an obelisk. Okay, so some of these sessions are, like, extraordinarily long, and then others are just, like... Yeah, super short, right? Yeah. 
I mean, I wrote down the start time, like, we started that at 8.23 p.m., Devin showed up at 10.30, and so I don't think it ran much longer than that afterwards. So, like, at best, some of them were, like, three hours. Okay. So, uh, we can do one more session, I think, maybe. Actually, don't we also want to do questions? This one's a really long session, so we'll save that for later. That session is literally, like, two pages on its own. How, okay, so that session, and then how many more until I show up? Uh, so, there's this long one. Uh, it's really only long because of the prophecy bullshit that's in my head, and I want to be able to read out that bullshit. Okay. Uh, so it's that session, the next session, and then you show up. So okay, yeah, no, we can, we can, I don't know that we're going to be able to wrap all this up in three, in two episodes, it's but three, three, def yeah, three, three definitely. Three, we might, three, we can do it. We got this. We can do it in three. Uh, because once that I show up, I, like, I fucking, I am on point with my fucking, uh, with my fucking comedy routine at that once that I show up there. Every single, every single damn uh, session that I showed up to, I swear I got the entire table to laugh at something that I did. I mean, that was your whole goal. All right, so we got, uh, we're going to do one question tonight to kind of keep it a little, to kind of stretch these out as long as we can, I guess. Because um, we need more people to send us in questions or discussion topics. Right, so... Hint. Hint. Smack with a hammer. Hint. So, uh, if, the, the, if, the, if the people were to send us in discussion topics or questions, where would they send those into, Christina? Well, uh, we've got a Twitter. Uh, if you know us personally, you can message us on Facebook or Discord or Messenger. Uh, I know Julia has one. I believe it's at GM Crow. GM Crow 1. GM Crow 1 mm -hmm. for her Twitter. And then uh, I'm pretty sure ours is just our name. So yeah, paradise lost. Mm -hmm. so. And then is there anywhere else that they can send those to? Probably. My brain's blanking right now. It'd be the Gmail account. The, uh, the email account for a pair of dice lost at gmail.com. Yeah, so feel free to send them in. But here's the question we're doing for tonight. So the question that we're doing for tonight is also yet again sent in from Jesse. And it is, what's the most interesting or unique combat encounter you have dealt with? No, was that tabletop related or that was related? tabletop related? Okay. Though I guess we could do both. Um, I'm gonna let you go first since I've been doing a lot of talking. Right. So, um, considering that I don't generally play, I run uh, most of the time, so I don't get to actually deal with unique combat encounters. I kind of make the unique combat encounters. Well, then what's the most unique one that you've made, or you feel like you've made, and then maybe like a ridiculous LARP encounter you've done. So, for the one of the most unique uh, combat encounters that I made was when that we were running our homebrew system for the uh, for the space opera that I'm trying that I'm trying to get off the ground. And basically what that they dealt with is they the group had to fight a basically a boss monster that the best way to describe it is that this thing would get powered up. Uh, it, it's kind of from like a race of the, the best way to describe them is like emotional vampires. Okay. But they each have their own emotion that they feed off of. And this thing in particular fed off of lust. Gotcha. Now it'd be real just quick and easy for me and just be like, okay, no, here's this sexy thing that you've wanted have at and make it incredibly awkward for my players and me for the next couple of weeks while they forget that I asked them well, to do like, things like that. Like lust, you can go with a lot of things. Like it, you get because a lot of the sins kind of go over into the same territory when you hit a certain point. So like mm -hmm. lust, it could be a lust for power. It could be lust for uh, a money. Thing, uh, 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 yeah, it's not just the Gennaro like exactly. lust for a person. That's what I did. Is I gave them, uh, basically what I did is I had this boss's character sheet all built up. And he he was given a character sheet, not a mo generic monster sheet. I know that life. Um, As you guys saw, I had started, plenty of character sheets for characters. <laughs> he started at level one. And basically what would happen is when the 
first phase of the boss fight is initiated, they basically, the group is split up and I took people into different rooms and had like little five minute mini sessions with them where I would basically like, I had typed up little scenarios of like, what do you want? What, what would this character want? And basically like, there were three things that they could want in there and by engaging with any of those three things or all of them every single time that they did the boss gained a level gotcha so it turned into this like really unique like one-on-one role play with people and sometimes i get people who would like only give the boss a level and wouldn't engage with whatever this was because like they're basically just being given like free shit for no reason and i also had people who just like yo free shit awesome i feel like anybody who's interacted with like any kind of fake characters are like nah free shit free shit nah free shit there's something there's always something so i had a group of six people oh so there was potential that they could give this boss uh that they could basically get this boss up to level 19 i think that they were all level eight or I think Max was eight at that time, and I think that they collectively got the boss up to 13. Jeez. And he was still given, like, like his leveling up was not, oh, you know, he gets he gets the character level up. No, he got, I'm fighting six people, so I have to level yeah, up appropriately. Yeah. So basically, they ended up having to fight this big one-on-one battle with this fucking weirdo who like wanted to give them everything and then when they decided eventually not to take things he's super powered up based off of their previous actions he if all of them had kind of figured it out he would have been a fucking pushover yeah but that's kind of interesting like it's the things your care like your pcs are doing kind of decide what the big boss battle is gonna be Mm -hmm. Um, another thing that I've done uh, that that's just kind of uh, a unique thing that I did was I once gave a boss a special power where that all the numbers on the dice were reversed. So if you so if you're rolling uh, a d6, if you roll a one, you actually rolled a six. <laughs> that's weird. It just makes it more confusing. It does make it more confusing, but it was hilarious at the time because we had one guy who just has exceptionally good luck with dice. Was it Jake? No, it was uh, our friend Bender. Oh, okay. Um, and then we had this other guy that we ran with called Josh, who just was constantly rolling ones. Like, he could not... I've lived that life where... He, just... He, he just could not roll to save his life. So suddenly, like, these two combat characters, like, their efficiency, because that I put this in, got reversed. And it was, like, it was really neat. It's kind of interesting. Just like with Taylor rolling all those fours, fives, and sixes for uh, Iron, Kingdom. Iron Kingdoms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those dice were disgusting. Like, they rolled super well for me, too, mm-hmm. most of the time when I would borrow his dice to roll for him or I would roll for myself. Those okay. fucking dice. So what is a unique encounter in tabletop? That you oh, God. All right. I have to go through a lot. Um, Let's see. Um, The... The ending of our Exalted campaign was very interesting, and I can't say that because that's spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that was a good fight and weird. Yeah, but... it was very weird, but I can't say that because that's spoilers. Um, I also had a really interesting one that uh, Chris ran for. It was kind of, it was basically a homebrew game set in the Underdark. Uh, so we had played through a lot of Tiamat stuff, and it was all dragons all the time, and then we did, and halfway through that we lost our cleric because of work and life and stuff, and we found out very quickly we need a cleric. So I talked to him, and I kind of got a, I had a drow cleric who was a light domain, and kind of had the Dritz background scenario to it, and she went and followed Elicitry, or... That's not how you actually say it, but that's how I pronounce it, so people have to deal with it. So we did an Underdark campaign, basically, of overthrowing this this matron and trying to not make the Underdark as shitty as it was. Uh, good luck with that. Okay. So at the end, we had to fight Loth. And our friend Alex 
who's very well known for losing characters that campaign couldn't play anymore for some reason, or I think he wasn't able to make it to the final session. So Chris basically strung him up and sacrificed him to summon Loth. And so all this crazy stuff happened, like, my character got empowered and became this, like, glowing beacon of light in of her uh, entity, and, like, something weird happened with Emily's character, Florence, and, like, it was just all this weird, like, godly bullshit that all these PCs got to com- combat Loth, and it was just ridiculous and very, mm-hmm. very Chris-oriented. Um, like, I just got to play with him uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe, like, a month or two ago, and he ran a one-shot with Archbill through his crazy adventures. We basically fought nerdy wizards, like, stereotypical glasses and nerdy wizards that represent each of the elements, and they had this giant, like, golem bot thing. We had to fight it, and it was ridiculous. Um, so, you guys fought the Power Rangers? Um, I have fought the Power Rangers before in a campaign. Okay. Um, but it wasn't technically the pow- the the Power Rangers. It was just nerds who were wizards, because Chris loves wizards, and I have no problem with that. And they had built a giant machine, and there was two that were, like, piloting it up on top, and we scared the other ones away, and yeah. So that was, that, that was Chris, Chris always had an interesting way of taking, like, the campaign. If we were doing um, a module mm-hmm. and putting his own flair onto it or taking stuff out, he's like, ah, this isn't good. And then we did, like, a fake campaign uh, with him. That was really fun, too. Um, you know what? You know, I'm just thinking about it. You know what's one of my favorite uh, things that I've ever done at a table? Is, um, so this was years and years ago. Um, we're running our uh, New Orleans game. Wheelbarrow Cocaine? No, there was not a Wheelbarrow Cocaine in that one. What? Yeah, that's that was, canon. That, no, that was before that started being canon. Ugh. It was the Exalted game that ran after that where that started popping up. Oh, okay. So, fucking, we're running World of Darkness, and it's the end of the campaign, and, like, all this crazy metaphysical bullshit's happening, and, like... All uh, a lot of the big named characters are like doing like weird like a lot of the big named like NPCs are doing like weird shit and are just like becoming like kind of like what you were saying before with like getting like god powers and one of the players decides you know what fuck that guy I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck him up and I just went okay cool bud and I reach down into my pack and I pull out like like a two pound bag of dice that just has like d20s and like every single kind of dice in there i just dump it out on the table and i'm like that's his fucking du- that's his fucking dice pool bud you still want to you still want to go you still fucking froggy he's like <laughs> why are there d20s in there that's his fucking dice pool bro <laughs> like that's my favorite way to just be like you don't want to fight this. Just the sound of hundreds of dice hitting the table all at once. Yeah, that would be like, I'm rethinking my life right now. Can I, uh, can I take back my previous statement, please? Yes, yes, you may. <laughs> yeah, like, th- Chris is the easiest example to use for, like, epic stuff in campaigns. Because really, like, he's the DM that I've been able to go through the most campaigns with and Mm -hmm. actually finish campaigns with. Because, like, most of the time my DMs will stop or, like, people drop out and we can't keep going or Mm -hmm. this or that. Like, Chris is one of the few people I've been able to actually play through a whole campaign, multiple campaigns with. Right. So, like, what I had to drop... I mean, hey, I'm I'm getting there. Yeah, I know. Uh, We're at two now that I've finished. Is it two? I mean, it's all just kind of had a, a soft ending to it. Yeah, well, it, it I kind of got super burnt out on it. And That's the, fair. And the only way that I was going to get that spark back is if I went back to, like, Exalted 2nd Edition. And at that point, or, like, go, switched everyone back to 3rd. And at that point, I don't think anyone was, like, going to be okay with that. Yeah. Except for maybe Julia, who would then just bring Talisman back and... Be ridiculous. Continue to be craft, Crafty McCrafterson. Yeah. But, like, I think, I think, I just, I have a lot of ridiculous things in, like, uh, a campaign that, uh, Scott ran when I lived out in North Carolina. My character started off as, like, a, she was very druid, but he did, like, a custom thing for her race, so she was very fey-aligned. Um, and there was this tree that we found 
that I was the only one who could really touch, and because of the fey blood she had in her, could touch it and not instantly be awful for her life. And I kept failing my roles for the hive mind not take me over, so I managed to succeed on one, which kept it from fully taking me over, but she got very immersed in, like, the earth aspects of it, uh, and her skin, like, turned black, and she had weird shadow stuff, and then... Like, the boys, uh, when I couldn't make it to a session because of work, found this little egg for, like, this death baby, and so I ended up studying it hashed, and, you know, she had this little death baby that followed her around, and she had to teach it how to not murder people, and then, like, I got another pet, and so I had, like, shadow stuff and little pets and, uh... Like, got married, kind of not, to the, the ruler of the Earth realm, and all the boys got married to the rulers of the other elemental realms, and it was just wonky, and we were on, we were pirates on a ship, because Kevin's character um, was a pirate uh, captain, basically, and then uh, Alec was his first mate, and it just, it was weird, but we never got to finish that campaign because of stuff, so, um. So I guess that shit insane warp stuff, or we could just kind of keep going... I, I think that, uh... Lurk stuff's I, I think, gonna be th harder for me, because there's been a lot. <laughs> right, and also that kind of goes into the other uh, question about batshit insane, insane stuff that you've done at LARP. Uh, because I feel like that, that can be... That can also include, like, unique mods tend to be a little bit crazy. I just... I, like I said, I've, I've LARPed a long... Not, like, as long as some of our friends have, but I've LARPed a, a good amount of time, so, like, I've been through a lot of weird shenanigans. So, one of the things that... One of the one of the unique uh, boss encounter things that I actually really enjoy using is if that you have... Um, if you have two uh, enemies that are fighting at the... That are fighting, um, what you do with them is you give both of them overpowered stats... But they only work one at a time, so they kind of, like, tag in and out. That's fair. Which is, like, they'll, like, which I think is, like, a really cool idea to do, because then you can kind of have multiple phases, and, like, there's points where, they, like, this guy can't cannot be hurt. He's off, basically, like, the, the, the mechanics of this combat say that he is immune to everything right now. But the other dude isn't. But the other guy isn't, and he's the one who's attacking you. So, like, one of the ones I did was I had these two dudes in, like, completely, like, varying, like, uh, power armor suits. Mm -hmm. One of them was, like, just big, beefy, almost like a tank, and just, like, rolling around and just, like, had, like, artillery strikes and everything that he could call in. And then when the he got damaged enough, he would tag in his other buddy, who was just a fucking speedster. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we want to go into LARP stuff though. If it goes into another question, that no, we have. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on uh, on LARP stuff for now. We could do because I I can go on. I can go. I know on between oh, I know. a couple different LARPs. <laughs> okay, so um, let's rework the question just a little bit. Um, what's a unique encounter design that you would like to use for tabletop? Yeah, for tabletop. Um. Well, I can't say it because it's the boss battle for you guys. Okay. Um. So I good I, to know that it's gonna be a unique design kind of thing. So yeah. that's good. Um, um. So I can't really discuss that because I'm not trying to give spoilers to something that's gonna be way down the road for you. Okay. But I I'm always very big because uh, I designed a couple of mods for. Um, Godstone when I was trying to staff that and I had a mod that I never actually got to run and it I very much like to cater to puzzles combat and social stuff so that because not everybody like if I if everybody's like we want to run like a straight-up social thing okay cool we'll have social stuff and but there's gonna be some combat some puzzles I just I very much like to cater to all the different spectrums of it so everybody has something to do mm -hmm. so Okay, yeah. Um, I really can't think of, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, the I can't really, like, show my hand on unique encounter design until I'm, like, done running, at least. That's, like, yeah. like, like, when I'm not running, I'd be totally down to, like, talk about this at length. Because by time that, like, you, basically by time that people forget that I've said something about this, I'll be running again and can use it. Yeah, good luck with that. I have a pretty weird memory for useless stuff. Yeah, but 
unique encounter design is not useless. I mean, it's not useless. It's one of those things of like, she should never remember this. This is just something we mentioned one random time and oh, how the fuck does she remember this like two years later? Fair. Uh, one of the things I do like to do though is I do like to basically look at uh, how MMO uh, boss encounters are designed oh, and then pick and choose like good good mechanics from that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't surprise me knowing you, so. Okay. So that should wrap us up for the night. Uh, I think so. So just guys, always remember to uh, like, subscribe, share, comment, share this shit with your family, your friends, your pets. Send us questions. Send those questions in. Send uh, discussion topics that you would like that you would like us to hear. Yeah, it doesn't have We're to gonna... actually be question questions. It could just be like hey, why don't you guys discuss this? And be like, cool, we'll discuss this. Or we're like, we're going to run out of Exalted stuff sooner rather than later, so uh, if you guys want to start giving us topics that you'd like to hear us ramble about for like a fucking hour, send them in and we will ramble. Yeah, because we're, we're trying to think of things to do after we're done with Exalted. Like, I know we're kind of taking a sidestep still in Exalted via Godbound, but we're taking a sidestep for a couple episodes for the Abyssal campaign to let you know all that stuff but we're gonna go back to our solar campaign and at a point we're gonna run out of stuff and i have gotten kind of used to doing this yeah, and yeah, um, i actually like doing this now and i can deal with my voice being recorded yeah until and i have to listen and what, edit stuff like like the most that we're, like once we run out of stuff like we're probably gonna have another episode of exalted that's just me going over my notes and being like so here's how this was going to tie up here was going to be the epilogue for this character here was going to here's how this was going to tie up this was the original plan for how this whole everything was going to tie up it might actually be two because where that we stopped there were still like two major story arcs the, to go. the other thing we could do is we could go over the division six campaign because i have all the notes for that and i know how that was supposed to end more or less maybe but if we can think up some, like, discussion stuff, I'd be more yeah, into no, doing I'd that instead of just continuously, like, going over uh, old uh, old campaigns. I mean, it just depends on what people want to hear. So tell us what you want to hear. I'm down to hear what people want to hear. I feel like we have enough I'm, I'm people that... I'm down to that... talk about what people want to hear. Yeah. I, and... I feel like we've got enough people listening that, you know, if you guys want to reach out to us somehow through all the different means that we've told you you could, we'd be down to hear what you want to hear. Yep. So. All right. I'm just going to say here like 50 more times. I mean, that's fine. And then here, 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 Anyways. So, for a Pair of Dice Lost podcasting channel, I've been Brendan. I've been Christina. And remember to let the good dice roll.